I'm Jay. I'm Iraj. And this is Cheers and Tears. So Jay, what's your favorite urban legend? Mm, out of all of them, I'm going to have to say it's Bigfoot. Really? Bigfoot? Yeah, Bigfoot. Bigfoot because I believe in Bigfoot. Believers in Bigfoot say he's a massive creature. Half man. Half ape. I think that he's just like this dude that was running around in the wild naked for some reason that just had really big feet, you know, maybe like a basketball player or something. And he just happened to be running around a bunch of scientists one day and they were like, we'll call him Bigfoot. Like, I think it was a misunderstanding more than it is a mythical creature. But I do believe that they thought that it was a mythical creature. And so that's why I believe in Bigfoot. You think LeBron James was just running out around in the forest one day? <laughs> <laughs> he might have been. I mean, I don't know what size shoe the man wears, but, you know, if it's like a size 26 or something, that's a Bigfoot. Okay, well, I have more information about Bigfoot that's coming up later. Ooh. But I really like the tale of Bloody Mary. Ooh. It was so much fun with me and my friends would go into the bathroom, you know, say the, the Bloody Mary chant three times. And then someone would always hide in like one of the stalls and like scare them. It wasn't just me. It was a bunch of people. Oh, okay. Well, as long as it was a bunch of people, you know, that makes it okay. I wonder how all these urban legends got started. So I actually know how to answer that. Hmm. Urban legends started off with tales that represent society. Most importantly, we can find out what society fears. Okay. Elaborate. Mm -hmm. So, like, around 9-11, conspiracy theories against the government became really popular because at that time, and even now, it's easy for a society to believe that we shouldn't trust our government. Well, it's a long-standing tradition in the United States that dates back prior to the revolution to be distrustful of power. Usually it comes from a lack of information, and then society tends to fill up their gap. And back to your Bigfoot story, that's one big example of this. Anthropologists suggest that the story of Bigfoot derived from early sightings of Neanderthals that existed at the same time as Homo sapiens. They walked on two legs. They were more ape-like and hairy. Okay, so Bigfoot, like I said before, like it was kind of like almost like a misunderstanding. Like it wasn't exactly kind of. what they thought, but it was, they were on to something. Right. Most urban legends are actually based off of reality, and they're usually used to spread good morals. Basing it off of reality makes this more memorable, just like when you're thinking of Little Red Riding Hood, all of the events are not extraordinary, right? Like, she's just a girl, she's delivering cookies to her grandma. Those are all normal day things and can be taken place in real life. But then there's one extraordinary element of the wolf. Oh, yeah, huh? I was about to yeah. say, well, where's the extraordinary element? Yeah, it's the wolf. <laughs> I forgot. Wolves yeah, don't eat grandmothers. I, no, well, I hope they don't. They, they definitely could. don't stalk <laughs> a human and pretend to be their grandmother. Oh, yeah. Oh, duh. I forgot that she could. <laughs> yeah, that's the part that not the eating the grandmother. It's pretending to be the grandmother. That is the unrealistic part. Right. Yeah, normally okay. they won't change into the grandma's clothes. <laughs> that's my bad. bed <laughs> I just think it's interesting how like urban legends have like shifted like over time 
because it's not like you know there's like a new set of urban legends that like continuously come out we got Mm -hmm. the Loch Ness Monster we got Bigfoot we got David Copperfield that was a chain letter email that my grandma got wait what's the David Copperfield one I don't know that one if you didn't forward the email there's a there's a magician named David Copperfield and if you didn't okay. forward his email to 10 people in your contacts list, this was like back in like 2008, then he would murder you in your sleep. And my grandma actually blocked one of her friends and never spoke to her again <laughs> for sending her that email. She was like, oh, no. And now she won't see like magicians. She won't like she doesn't mess with any of that stuff. She's like, Dave Copperfield's coming to get me. And I'm like, no, he's not. That was a chain letter. Like, David Copperfield is not worried about you. Imagine David Copperfield is... <laughs> in his like mansion and just like one day I will get you and grandmother (laughs) (laughs) she did not forward my email oh my gosh yeah that's that's probably what he's doing right now he's just waiting for the right moment I hope he's not well speaking of urban legends and where (laughs) they come from and how they've evolved what is your favorite modern day urban legend? Oh, you know what? I like the Russian sleep experiment. I don't even know what that is. No, that was really big on Reddit. The Russian sleep experiment talked about an experiment that was taken place in Russia. And it's not a true story. But basically, they kept inmates awake for days and days and days at a time and recorded their process and how they lost their minds eventually and kept the log of it. It was completely fake, but again, it is something that people are willing to believe just because we don't know too much about Russia. When we think about Russia, we don't get like the best images just because of all the politics. So it seems something totally possible, and that's what makes it even creepier. Well, dang, okay. What's your favorite modern urban legend? Um, The only one that I actually know like modern day is Slenderman. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's my favorite either. I, I used to be so afraid of that game, like, mm-mm. So that's a good example of how urban legends have evolved and become more digital, starting with chain emails, the ones that you forward to 10 people or else you'll die. Mostly they're poorly written and they have a creepy image attached, which in some cases, like in Slenderman's case, really helped elevate the story. This led to forums such as Creepypasta on Reddit and 4chan. Creepypasta is a form of digital urban legends that started off with these chain emails that you would copy and paste that's where the name creepypasta comes from oh wow copy and paste oh okay yeah i can see that that's pretty cool it helps spread legends like slenderman and jeff the killer those were one of the biggest ones on creepypasta it made it into mainstream media just like how there's a slenderman video game it even made it into the news peyton was stabbed 19 times and left for dead by her own friends, who later blamed the fictional character, Slenderman. Well, hopefully got they got the help that they needed. Yeah, I believe they're going away for a while. These stories have a large impact on society. From hearing these stories, you can tell what people fear on the internet. When I was reading through a lot of these creepypastas, I saw a tremendous amount of stories about kids being bullied and taking revenge. That was like the main purpose of Jeff the Killer that got very popular. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a very sad, dark place. You see like the minds into mostly teenagers, some young adults, and what they write about and what they find is creepy. 
That's sad. Yeah, so let's get into one. <laughs> so I have a creepypasta here. This one's called Distorted Warning Signals. I found it on creepypasta.com. And the author is Ashley Rose Wellman. By the way, I had to read through so many creepypastas to find a good one. Well, then let's hear it. This one better be good. I have high expectations for you. Oh, d lower them, lower them. Lower them. <laughs> <laughs> it's too high, it's too high. When I got the first one, I was literally seconds away from stepping onto the plane. When a call from unknown blared from my cell phone. It was a ringtone I hadn't heard before. One I was pretty sure hadn't come with the phone. Normally, I wouldn't have stopped to answer it. But I was expecting a call about a job I had interviewed for the previous week. I took a deep breath and accepted the call. Hello? Do not get on the plane. A woman's voice garbled and strange as if her vocal cords had been shredded and she was trying desperately to choke out speech. Despite the unnerving, fractured quality of her voice, her tone was insistent and eerily calm. Then the call ended. I froze. I had always had a slight phobia of air travel, and something about this call just... There's no way I was about to get on a seven-hour flight now. I turned around and headed toward the food court. I'd just get on another flight later in the afternoon, I figured. I watched from the airport Starbucks three hours later as every TV in the terminal lit up with the crash footage of the plane I should have been on. No survivors, not a single one. I tried to trace the call, so did the police, but there was nothing to trace. There was no evidence my phone had ever received a call around that time. They analyzed phone records, incoming and outgoing calls, communication to my phone, nothing. I wasn't making it up. I couldn't have been. That wasn't the only call. Throughout the years, they were few and far between, but always right. And I always listened. Do not go on that blind date tonight. Five months later, my would-be date was convicted of killing four women all with my hair color and build. Found them in a shallow grave about 250 feet from the diner he offered to take me to. Do not drive to the concert tonight. 18-wheeler lost control and plowed into a line of cars. Every driver crushed, every driver killed. In the stretch of freeway, I would have been driving down. No matter if I got a new phone, if I moved across the country, the calls would still come in. I could almost feel the presence of whatever it was, whatever it is, watching over me. I imagined being at the bottom of the freezing ocean, still strapped into my coach section plane seat, or being in that mass grave across from the diner, or watching an 18-wheeler skidding towards my car. Knowing death was imminent, I'd get this tightness in my chest. I think about how thin that line was how close I'd gotten. If I hadn't had a job interview I was waiting to hear back from, I'd have never listened to the first call. And that would be it for me. It always felt like something was coming for me. But there was always this, this fractured, warped voice with these calls that never seemed to exist after I heard them. Self-destructing warning signals rotting away before my eyes. And I was alive. 
I had a bad feeling about this cruise. I had planned it as a girl's week out with some of my old friends from college and was looking forward to a week in the tropic in the dead of winter. But part of me could almost sense that the call was coming. Maybe I'd watched the Titanic one too many times, but there was a little nagging fear from the start. I hoped it would be fine, but I knew that if something was going to happen, I'd get the call. I'd know. Now, a week before, I am set to go on the cruise, after stepping into my apartment, after returning from dinner with a friend, I noticed my cell has a message from unknown. They've never had to leave a message before. Haven't checked it all night. Damn it. I had really wanted to go to that cruise too. Ah oh, well, not worth whatever horrific fate awaited me in that cold, dark ocean. I click play message and feel my stomach drop as I listen to the voice, sounding horrifically distorted as if it emanates from a throat slashed to ribbons, crackling with more urgency than ever before. I looked around my apartment as the voice on the phone repeats the same phrase over and over again. Do not come home after dinner tonight. Do not come home after dinner tonight. Do not come home after dinner tonight. Well, first of all, I want to know what type of cell phone plan she has. What do you mean? Where is she getting these calls from? They never even specified where they're coming from. And as soon as it's over, there's no trace of it that anyone has ever called her. I don't think that has anything to do with your cell phone plan, though. Like, I think that's more of like a hacker type situation. It's weird that they called even though she got different cell phones throughout the time. Like, I want to know the logic behind this. Well, just because you, I don't know. Did she say that she changed phone numbers? She didn't. So that could be, maybe that's something she could have tried. Exactly. See. Well, also, I guess if you can predict the future and know when somebody's going to die, I guess you could predict their new phone number. I guess. It just makes sense to me. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah. But that's got to be horrific. That gave me chills. I understand the feeling when she had to pick up the phone because she thought it was a job. Like that one resonated with me because I keep getting calls and I'm thinking that, oh, it's a job that I applied for. And it's my dentist. It's my your dentist. dentist is so persistent. He's been calling me a lot. At least you're not getting a bunch of political calls. Oh, are you getting political calls? Oh my gosh, I'm getting them nonstop. I wish it was an urban legend calling me instead of these political <laughs> calls. Yeah, what was your what was your takeaway from the creepy pasta? Always answer unknown calls because they may be trying to save your life. Now I'm really gonna start answering unknown calls because you know I don't I don't typically do that. If I don't know whose number it is, I don't answer. That's the same with me. No, I would have died on that airplane. Urban legends are really great at bringing people together. Bringing people together? We all share this type of fear, right? And urban legends just kind of express that. That's the same with movies, like Halloween movies. Mm. Oh, well, you know, what's another feel-good movie that brings us together like Hocus Pocus? I want to give you the actual synopsis of it. So after moving to Salem, Massachusetts, teenager Max Dennison explores an abandoned house with his sister, Danny, and their new friend, Allison. 
After dismissing a story Allison tells as superstitious, Max accidentally frees a coven of evil witches who used to live in the house. Now, with the help of a magical cat, the kid, the kids, not the cats, must steal the witch's book of spells to stop them from becoming immortal. So if you haven't seen it, that's what it's about. And there's a lot of things in Hocus Pocus that don't exactly make the most of sense. Have you ever noticed that, Rush? Not as a kid, but I watch that movie every single year. It's one of my favorite Halloween movies. And as I'm getting older, there are a lot of things that I kind of looked over as a kid. Well, you know, the biggest thing that I noticed with this movie happened in the first five minutes. And so this magical cat that they speak of, his name is Binks, right? Mm -hmm. And Binks is turned into a magic, isn't this cat that can talk. Mm -hmm. He can talk, but he never tells any of his family members that he's been turned into a cat. He does interact with his family members. He brushes up against his father's leg as his father is asking the witches, what have you done to my son? And he doesn't say a word. Away! Away, beast! And I'm like, wait. Yeah, huh? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, he could have talked the whole time. He could talk the entire time. And there was another time that he should have talked, which was when the kid Max, the virgin, needed to light the candle for the witches to come back. The cat saw him and said nothing. That would be the perfect time to speak up. Maybe the cat secretly wanted him to light the candle. That is true, because he did say he was plotting his vengeance. There you go. He wanted the witches to come back. Yeah, and he just pretended that he didn't, being like, you idiot. And it was like, well, why didn't you stop him? Because I don't know about you, but if I saw a talking cat, I would, I'd be done. I'd leave. I'd be done. <laughs> I'd be like, goodbye. This is enough for me. There's a lot of problems in that movie. Like, and I think this is the biggest one that I have the problem with. And it's the smallest little thing, but it bothered me to like no end. What is that? So in the movie, you know, they turn the Sanderson sisters, the Sanderson sisters are the witches. Mm -hmm. They turn their house into a museum and the museum was closed for like a really long time. Like it was an abandoned museum. Mm -hmm. They walk in to the museum, three kids, and the girl goes, I wonder where the light is. And I'm like, this place is abandoned. Do you think it has electricity? But then she turns on the light and it still works. And I'm like, that's not how the DWP operates. That's very true. I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. That is a very small detail though. Like who's <laughs> coming in and replacing the light bulb? Ex well, who has the electricity turned on? Yeah. I Where's the power supply? I don't know. And then the water sprinklers worked too. Because remember, he sets the sprinklers on fire to get the witches wet. And they think that the water is killing them. But it's right. not. And I'm like, wouldn't you know that water doesn't make you melt? Like, wouldn't you just know that? Did you think it was holy water? Why were you acting all exaggerated like, I'm melting? And then being like, oh, it's just water. It is but water! Huh? even know i don't know why they were afraid of the water i don't know why this cat didn't speak up when they lit the candles and one thing this sat on uh, please give me the answer to this if you give me the answer to try. this i will deem you the smartest person alive I okay 
Okay, so the Sanderson sisters, they talk about Lucifer and how Lucifer gave them the spell book, right? Mm-hmm. But then they go to this random guy's house in the mortal world who's just dressed up like Lucifer. And they're like, oh, yes, master. Master, would thou dance with me? I'm like, this man is clearly in a costume. And you've met Lucifer before. Wouldn't you know that that's not him? It's probably been a while. So you're saying Lucifer aged? Possibly. That's not a definite answer. You cannot have the title. Well, I can't (laughs) give you a definite answer without talking to whoever made this movie. I'm going to email Kenny Ortega. (laughs) I'm going to ask him questions about all his movies. You should. That would be actually really great for this segment. Ooh, okay. Email Kim Ortega. <laughs> put it on the to-do list. And right I also want to ask right after, him. Um, right after David Copperfield. <laughs> I will send him the David Copperfield email. We'll see how he likes <laughs> that. One thing that I need to ask Kenny Ortega, because, again, these questions kept me up all night. I did not go to bed until 2 a.m. because I was sitting up thinking about the movie. Mm-hmm. So you know the scene where they're dancing, right? And they're like, I put a spell on you. I put a spell on you. And now you're mine. Are you going to ask how they knew the words? No. Oh. Because I saw them mind. mimicking the words when the actual people were singing. So I knew that that's how they picked up the words. Right, but they said different words. Hmm. I didn't even notice that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, no, when they were singing, I put a spell on you. They put the spell on the entire adult audience. Mm -hmm. And so they would dance until they died. I mean, they were gone for a really long time. Did they not notice that they couldn't stop dancing? That's true. None of them seemed panicked. None of them. It was morning. Mm -hmm. They were just like, like nothing had ever happened. And I'm like, what? And then nobody's like dancing and being like, hey, we got to check on the kids. Like, yes, that was my concern. Was every single adult in this entire city at this party? All of the children had spells on them, started walking out of their houses in the middle of the night, and no one was stopping these kids. Not even a babysitter. Like, who was home taking care of these kids? No one. And then another thing that got me was that these kids, when they're being lured to the house when the sister is singing to bring them, you know, so they can suck their souls out. All of those kids are in their Halloween costumes still. It, they mention the time. It's like 3 a.m. Half of them are like in their pajamas, but they still have like their Halloween wigs on and their Halloween makeup. Like, was the make costume and makeup department like really low budget like they couldn't they didn't have time to take off their makeup and their other costumes so they're like okay we know it's 3 a.m and these kids are coming from their bedrooms but we're gonna have you still be in your costume or maybe kids just sleep in their costumes on halloween i don't know is that a thing i never did that but i feel like that's the thing that happens must be really popular in the town of salem I guess so. Yeah. They seem but really I, into Halloween, so maybe. I feel like it definitely is a budgeting thing where they're like, we can't get all these kids' pajamas. <laughs> Just have them sleep in their costumes. But they were wearing makeup too. Yeah, like some of them had like their clown makeup on and their wigs on. and That's just like, unhygienic. They had half uh, costume, half pajamas on. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Maybe they really needed to film this scene and half the kids were ready and half the kids weren't. And they were just like, just go, just go, <laughs> just, just go. go. <laughs> and then there's this weird, there's this weird obsession that the witches have with just the three kids from the beginning. 
Mm-hmm. And I know that that's part of the story because that's those are the main characters. But right. they had so many children available to them. Like they had dozens and dozens of children walking to their houses that they could have stole their soul. But they ignored all of those children just to go after the one little girl because she called the main sister ugly. Right. And that's a new level of petty that I aspire to be. <laughs> So you're going to risk your life turning to dust just so you can attempt to suck the soul out of a eight-year-old girl that called you ugly. No, I definitely think my plan would be to suck the available souls, right, mm-hmm. that are nearby. So that way you're alive to then get revenge on yeah. the eight-year-old girl who called you ugly. What I was thinking the entire time was, why don't you get the other children first and then go back and destroy the other three kids from the beginning? Why are you <laughs> you missing all this opportunity? Or if I was the other two sisters, I would have been on my own and been like, sorry, I'm using these kids down here. Like, you can go after that one if you want, but I'm not about to risk my life for you. You know, I just realized... What? The Sanderson sisters are kind of like the Powerpuff Girls. There's a leader, and then she has red hair, and then there's a dumb blonde. Oh. And, <laughs> and then there's like kind of like a more tomboyish character, which I would say would be the third one. I don't like this. <laughs> oh, that's creepy. There's a girl named Allison in Hocus Pocus, mm-hmm. and you know, she's like the love interest of the main guy max the older brother of the little girl danny and they you know the i guess the sanderson sisters they the spell that brought them back to life after they lit the candle wore off on i guess the next day so on november 1st it was no longer effective Mm -hmm. and so they try to fool the witches into thinking that it's daylight outside Right. And so what I didn't understand was Max was making this whole speech. He was like, in the name of all that is good and right, and we will destroy you witches and all of that. And then the girl turns on the car lights to make them think that the sun has risen. And so my problem with that is he was making this long speech. How did she know when to turn the car light on? Because it was perfectly timed. And there's one thing that I know that you don't know. And what is that, dude? <laughs> Daylight savings time. Daylight savings time. That was, that was perfect timing. I was wondering, where did she get those filters to put onto her headlights? Because she needed to give her headlights like an orangey glow to make it feel like the sun was rising. She had these red filters put onto her headlights. You don't just have those lying around in your trunk? No, it was like a transparent, kind of like those binder covers. Yeah, you don't just have them lying in your trunk? No, why would I ever need that? Okay, Sanderson sisters come back. I got them (laughs) in my trunk. You should have them in yours just in case. I'll include them into my emergency kit. Yeah, that wasn't the part that weirded me out. I know everybody's got uh, the film covers on it. Yeah, everybody's (laughs) got the gel covers on it. So, I mean, that's... that's Right. You just don't know how she would have known to turn on the light. Correct. Okay, so you know when they're driving in the car, and then the Sanderson sister goes, Hello, let me see a driver's purse. <laughs> she died 300 yeah. years ago. How would she know what a driver's license is? 
No, there's a lot of discrepancies like with time periods in that movie because the Sanderson sisters know way too much about modern technology. Like they're just super accepting towards everything. Not only that, but they used margarine in their recipe back in, I think when they were in like the old times, the 300 years ago. But Mm -hmm. I looked it up and margarine wasn't invented until the 1800s. That is actually next level investigation. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, margarine? I was like, and so I looked it up and it wasn't even invented yet. So, I mean, there's a lot of like time discrepancies in here. So there's this problem with them flying on the brooms though. So they have to, their broom brooms, like witches brooms are taken, right? And so they fly on the household items, like a broom, a mop, and a vacuum cleaner. Mm -hmm. The vacuum cleaner is on when the third sister is flying. I think her name is Mary. When Mary is flying, the vacuum cleaner is on, but it's clearly not plugged in. And it's not a wireless one because those weren't invented yet. And also you can see the cord hanging from the vacuum cleaner. So it's making the noise of the vacuum cleaner, but it's not plugged in. Yes, and I rewinded it and I listened to it because I was like, is it making the noise? I was like, no, it can't be. And then I rewinded it and it was. And I was like, what's going on? Oh, I do have one big question. But why did only one Sanderson sister turn to stone before turning to dust? When in the end, when they the sun actually legitimately came up and they the spell was over right i have no idea that's that's always been a question of mine i don't know if it's because she casted the spell but they didn't explain anything about that in the story no they didn't they didn't they that movie jumped around so much i don't even understand it it did i feel like they had more written out that they had to take out because of time Mm -hmm. and speaking of time we're out of it Thanks for listening to this episode of Cheers and Tears. I'm Iraj. I'm Jay. Tune in next time for when we investigate. Does Idaho really have the best potatoes? Potatoes.